Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favourite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. Here we are, 100th show, two years in. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought that we would have gotten this far? But we have, and we have got it this far, thanks to you. For you guys, for your continued support, for, for keeping us going, and, and, and for helping us keep the lights on, and, and just basically being involved. We really appreciate it. Couldn't have done it without you. Couldn't have done it without producer Paul. Couldn't have done it on my own. I want to thank everybody. I, I can't, it, two years, two years, it's flown by, isn't it? It's absolutely flown by. This last year, obviously, not been the best, but you know what? We have continued to bring you the best in podcasting with some phenomenal guests. Um, so we thought what we'd do this this time, because um, you know, normally we would have had a big celebration. We would have done a live one, we would have done this, that and the other. But unfortunately, as we are all still you know, locked in our houses and we're not allowed to be anywhere near each other, we just thought, right, what we'll do, we'll put a, a compilation together to show you some of the highlights of some of some previous shows and previous guests. You know, so we've had Romish Ranga, Nathan, East Shan Akbar, uh, we've had Michael Smiley, James Acaster, Rob Beckett, um, and we've had we've had all sorts of guests. And we've had Heston Blumenthal was on. That was a blinder, wasn't it? Heston, my word, um, what a dude he was. And, and, and we've had some really amazing conversations with people. And it just goes to show you, didn't it, that even though people, it doesn't matter what where people are or how successful that we sort of they seem to be. When you really get down to it, everybody's the same, everyone feels the same, you know, we have the same insecurities and the same, you know, our confidence goes up and down depending on how much sleep we've had and, and what's happening in our lives and, and it's, it's been really interesting to talk to people on here and 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 find that out, you know, it's been a, it's been a real eye-opener, I've, I've learned so much from doing this podcast. Um, I'm, de- I'm definitely a different person from, from when I started out. My confidence is a lot better. My 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 general outlook on life is a lot better. My my self-esteem is through the roof. But not in a not in a not in a big-headed way. I just feel I feel different. I feel great. And that's thanks to this podcast and the people that have been on. So thanks to all of our magical guests. And again, for you guys as well. You you all the messages I receive from everybody. Uh, I, and, and the back and forth, the, the conversations we have with all the guests, with all the, with all of you guys, it's just, it's just fantastic. So thank you very much. It really, there is a real sense of community I feel that has built around this podcast. So, so coming up in a moment is some of the best bits of the last two years. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Okay, so here we are. We're into it. I, I tell you what, it was... Putting this together, uh, thank you to producer Paul who really put in the graft. Yeah, because there's been so many highlights throughout the the conversations that we've had. Difficult to sort of pick out a few, uh, pick out some of the best ones. I mean, they're all brilliant. That's the thing. It's, uh, so it's been a, it's, this has been quite the challenge for producer Paul. Well done, mate. Um, so you know what? We're going to start with uh, Rob Beckett. Now, Rob Beckett was one of the earliest interviews that we had back at the start of 2019, and I've known Rob. Uh, for a while, um, I used to play comedians football with him, and uh, and I've written written stuff with him, and you know we've had a, we had a good we've had a good relationship anyway. And I it was really nice to to go and visit him when we were allowed. This is the thing. This is back before all this carnage that happened. Um, and I actually went to his house, and he was so open and honest about his own insecurities and his own feelings about about certain things. Um, it was the kind of chat that has become synonymous with insane in the membrane. Like people really do open up which is really which is a really wonderful thing to experience um you know these, these people might be all over the tv and like stand on stage in front of tens of thousands of people but you know like we said like i said earlier they, they share the same vulnerabilities and insecurities um as you and me um so uh, and also these aren't just highlights by the way this is going to be like, uh, like chunks of the conversations that we had I just uh, we just thought that we'd pull these ones out, um, and if there's any others, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I remember this one, this was a good one, uh, drop me a line, and uh, and then we'll we'll have a chat about that later on, uh, you know, on another uh, another edition, because it's always nice to hear feedback and bits you've loved and things like that. So um, so anyway, look, let's begin. This is Rob Beckett. I can go for a stage where like I feel like, absolutely unstoppable. Like yeah. I'm gonna fucking do it if I want. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean? yeah. The point would be like. I don't know, we have enough for the mortgage next week. I know for a fact there is enough for the yeah, mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can look at the bank and go, right, we've definitely got at least three months. Right? I know like, for a fact. I'm all good. I'm but, all even, good. but I will be worried about the next month, even though it's sort of totally like over the top and yeah, catastrophic yeah. thinking for no reason. But but then you just sort of, I, I use a lot of like, you know, mindfulness and CBT and stuff like right. that to sort of acknowledge that feeling. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm re- feeling really fed up or like, 
got no like respect for myself and just like you're not actually any good well that's negative right, right, right. I wrote that I write bullet point every one of those negative faults right mm-hmm. and just log them then don't go over them just put them away put them in a bag or whatever yeah. and then either make a conscious decision when I'm feeling up to look at that list right. and then I write my response so it's almost like my negative brain actually talks wow. to my positive brain. So then I go down and sometimes I laugh at it. But I can't believe at some point I thought I weren't any good at this. <laughs> I'm a legend. Yeah, exactly. But then hopefully you're about somewhere in the middle. Yeah, right. And, and, and that, but that, I've done that before and that really helped where yeah. I had that written down on one side. And I was looking at it and I'm going, that's insane. I can't believe I thought that. Kind of... Well, that's the thing. It's, we're lucky to do what we do. But at the same time, like everything, it comes with its own stresses. Yeah, and it sounds like you've got a, you've got a handle on how you handle those yeah. stresses. You got your you got your things that you do. And well, when, it, when I when I first so I started ten years ago, and then after about th- two or three years, I got a job doing that. I'm a celebrity. Right, get me yeah, out yeah, of here yeah. now, which was a massive show on ITV Two. Still is obviously yeah. gets like one or two million viewers, which Amazing. is massive, right? Yeah. So that for me was a great opportunity. But I went on and I was very green. I was all right, but not as good as Russell Kane, who I was. Oh, that's replacing right, yeah. Russell Kane is one of the best live performers yeah, in the country yeah. like, when he's on full on a tour he's incredible yeah. right? so I was following him after him doing three years and I was alright but I got absolutely killed on Twitter I'd say 100 tweets after every show really? who's this shit fat idiot like sort of stuff about like my what I look like my, my weight my comedy just yeah. everything you know just abuse and abuse and abuse um, so like loads of it and it was all quite new social media then as well yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. My, but my followers are going up and all that but it was just like and it was 21 days in a row of doing the show and, and every day was just yeah, so I had to work of... nights so you got picked up at 10 at night yeah. got taken to a jungle I had to watch the show and I had to write three minutes of stand up yeah, right. about the show no writer or anyone just on my own Wow. and then we rehearsed it and I did it live on the show at 8am in the morning and had anyone gone over it to go it was Steve Parry who's a brilliant oh, writer Steve, yeah, writes yeah, yeah, yeah. the actual words of the show that like Laura Whitmore would use to present the show right. and he'd come with me and go over it and like work yeah, yeah. through it with me but he wasn't he had another job and he did that because he was a pal and he was yeah. being helpful but I had to write three minutes of stand every day and some days were good some days were bad wow. and, and I had to write a bit for the end so it was really and this is your show. first big TV first job TV film. also I've only been I've never even d- done a school play <laughs> <laughs> I did some open mic gigs <laughs> did the Edinburgh Fringe got on somehow got on the telly and now I'm just <laughs> on the telly <laughs> On my own, no idea what I'm doing. And, and you're the other side of the world I as well. Have a laptop. I had to buy a laptop for it. <laughs> yeah, can they lend you? And I'm in the other side of the world in the jungle doing nights, <laughs> following out and deck. Oh man! So man. I did 21 shows in a row. Yeah, that's what it is. Brutal schedule, killer. And then it, I just come home and I was just so down. It just, I just killed, exhausted yeah. me. And I had all these, all this negativity coming about me. And, yeah, right. and everyone was going, everyone, all my mates thought I got paid like 10 million pounds. <laughs> so they all thought, you didn't really, it was like good, decent money, but it weren't life changing money. No. Like, it was just like, it, it was basically, that job was like, Having a decent office job, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to work one month for it, right? Yeah. Which is good, but then and you were getting all that abuse. Yeah, but I don't fucking work anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I'm just the same money as my mates who's working in an office. <laughs> everyone thought I was like king of the yeah, telly, yeah, yeah. and then everyone, and then loads of people shouting and stuff at me from like because basically I, I come back from that and I was basically famous. Yeah, like in the, that small world of yeah, people yeah, watching, yeah. not like mega famous, but well, I, I remember was, when, when you and I we'd go and play squash. Yes, and yeah. then there was that. It was one time that we, we were just queuing up to pay, and there was. Yeah. You could see people, they weren't necessarily coming over to you. But, but it was a were, different reaction. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it literally went from, like, literally within a month, and I didn't notice it gradually because I was in Australia, and I come back yeah. after a month, and it was like, oh, you're a bit famous now. But, like, instantly. Yeah, it wasn't any yeah, sort yeah, of, like, yeah. slow process because two million people watching every night for... They just knew you. Yeah, and it was all just, like, normal people in the street type people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That show. 
so then I found that really really difficult and I just wasn't coping with it no. really stressed and then I was really just down so with that, that then I went to the GP and then right. they just referred me for some like counselling sessions yeah. so I had like not like 10 counselling sessions all on the NHS and that was amazing it was really good because I could talk it all through work it all out Brilliant. and then I read the Ruby Wax book Same New World which was like my bible of yeah, calming my brain down a bit and everything she said she went through I was like oh that's what I'm like and I find a lot of stuff about mental health the books are too wordy and too academic. Yeah. This book's great. So I read that, did loads of CBT, and then did mindfulness, right. meditation, which really helped. And then recently, I, I do the, if I'm lacking a bit of confidence, do like, you know, motivational things. Yeah, the yeah, same yeah, thing yeah. I listen to if I'm going to the gym. <clears throat> do you know what I mean? But like, I might listen to that before a gig. I love doing stand up. So I, uh, my ideal like, night out hmm. is to go and do a gig. Yeah. I fucking love gigging. Oh, like, yeah. You know, like sometimes it's not if you've got to drive to the middle of nowhere or you have a, you've done a tenant, but like, if I've got a bit of time off, perfectly, like, let's go to do a gig in a nice yeah. club, on the bill with like mates, like, like you're on a yeah, mate's yeah, bill, yeah. have a couple of beers after. Love like, it. Like that, you know, I, I just love doing it, but there's people that get into it because they want to be famous, they, want, yeah. they love the idea of being a comic rather than the actual graft of doing it. Yeah, right. And I think they're the ones that get a little bit, you know, easily caught up and get a bit flash and stuff like that. And sometimes it's, I don't find not many comedians are like it. No, because you're ta- you've got a tangible skill. Yeah. So like when I go out and I get a, you know you do a gig and they love it. Yeah. I'm 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 I, I one I'm like oh I feel content that's good feeling and also people watch it and go oh he's good yeah whereas if you're some you know sometimes if you're like on telly you're like reality sorry so then I sometimes <laughs> act like a bit of a star in order to yeah. get the respect to go I'm I'll leave them waiting and all that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. But I, what I do is I, like, I ring people bang on the time I'm telling them I'm going to ring them yeah. a bit earlier to be really keen. Because <laughs> that, 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 that panics them more than yeah. ringing late. Everyone rings late. Well, that was it. I mean, I've done a few of these now and I've gone to people's houses and I've made a point of being on time and, and, and yeah. you know, because I don't know, I just don't want to, I don't want to think I'm a dick. I want yeah. to, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm just professional. Well, I'm not, exactly, yeah. yeah. My, 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 my aim would be like, to get like the biggest like the biggest comic like going that could be a prick and get away with it but still be really nice yeah I think that's even more powerful than being a dick isn't yeah it? man it's a bit is. more like panicky yeah. isn't it if you're like yeah. really, you, should, you should be a knob <laughs> you can get away with being an yeah, absolute man. knob that's it if you can get if you can get up there mm. and you're not far off you're not far off you're at that point where you know you, you've got you've got there on your own terms you haven't been a dick to anyone yeah and that must be an amazing feeling, you know what I mean? That yeah, because well, you, 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 you never, you never, you never like. I still feel like I'm a, a new cop, like a new comic coming through. But then I do bits and bobs, and I go, like, I go, actually, no, you're like, and it's weird because you, you don't want to sound like you're being flashed. Be like, no, actually, you, you're on the telly a lot now, like yeah. you're hosting yeah, your own yeah, shows yeah. type thing, and you're on stuff that's on like. It's not just like when I first started, and you do like fifty greatest plastic surgery shockers. Nothing yeah. wrong with doing that, but, <laughs> but yeah. you can't. It's like you know, you know, you sort of are on TV, but you're not on TV, yeah, and that's yeah, a yeah. weird little middle area. But I just sort of, um, I, I still just think, oh, hopefully that'll get recommended. I'm still in that same mindset, yeah. just like well, I hope is... that because because you know it's all going well now. But like I've got like two or three shows on the telly, which is great, but. If the Channel Garvey don't want them back, yeah. I've got nothing. Yeah. I've got a tour, so I go and tour, and you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna starve. But it's very quick to go from you're the bloke off the TV to go. Didn't you used to do TV? No, yeah. <laughs> it don't take long. <laughs> and the and the key thing I'm like, my plan is the the main thing I think with anyone doing comedy, whether you're on telly or not on telly, is it's just managing the plateau because yeah. everyone's career goes zoom. Yep. 
at whatever level so if you're McIntyre to 10902 yeah. or if you're at a different level where you go and you, go, you do really well you're like oh I've got my own Radio 4 sitcom and I sell out Sophia for a week yeah. amazing What a, like when I first started I just wanted to be able to get on the circuit so you get up to there yeah, but then man. there'll be a point where McIntyre only does 5902 yeah. and the person that done the Radio 4 show and the Sophia does a week and does three nights yeah. but both McIntyre and that person have got to get their head around not being wanted as much yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though that person doing the Sophia is going, what do you mean you've got the aunt baby doing five yeah. nights? Like, but I'm only doing yeah, four. But, but there'll be yeah. someone on the circuit going, oh, what I'd give to have a Radio 4 show. Yeah, man. Oh, I can't believe you're moaning that you only get one, you know, and they're going, oh, you can only do three nights at Sophia. Yeah, it's and, funny, isn't it? And then that person that's in all the clubs, there's someone below them going, yeah, but I can't even get an open mic gig now. And you get to do all the club. So like, yeah, everyone, yeah, at whatever yeah, level yeah. you're at, goes through the same feeling because it will it goes up and then it levels out mm. a bit. but it's just as long as you're okay with it le- where it levels yeah because it's fine now like you know taking pictures of the murder getting picked up <laughs> it'll be an Addison Lee within a week <laughs> which is still great uh, you're still, still getting yeah, a cab yeah, to yeah. work <laughs> it's still amazing don't lose sight of that don't sit in the Addison Lee with the ump <laughs> and that's the it's danger. so true it's so true when, man. and then that McIntyre might be at the point going well I haven't got my own driver now I've got to just get a, a Merc <laughs> And it's not easy with my own car. Yeah. But as long as you're okay with that drop off, yeah, yeah, and accept it, keep you know, an eye on it. Yeah. And people you know, read the secret now. And go, yeah, no, no. If I just imagine it, it happens. Well, it won't. <laughs> it might for a bit, but it will drop off. Yeah. You can imagine it as much as you want. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you start imagining it dropping off a bit and just make sure you're ready for it, so you don't have a full mental <laughs> breakdown? Because it's going to happen. Start like doing a No Edmonds and asking the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I imagined it, but I'm still in another <laughs> Uh, so that was Rob Beckett talking about the insecurities of, of like someone on his level. You know, st- he still has those insecurities. It doesn't matter where you get to uh, in 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 the industry. It, there's always something that you're worried about. You know, like you see, you know, you, you and you can't help it. You get caught up in it. You know, you'll be you'll see things like you know Michael McIntyre is doing fifty dates at wherever, and he's got he's got a car taking him. He's got Mercedes taking him wherever, and he's like, oh, why haven't I got that? What's why am I? You know. And I know that's all daft. It's, of course it is. It's daft to worry about those things. But, it, you know, these it doesn't matter what level you're on. There's always something that you're worried about. It just goes to show, doesn't it? We're all human beings at the end of the day. James Acaster. Uh, we had James on. And uh, and James was saying the same thing. Like, you know, he, even though, you know, he's in, he stands in front of thousands of people, there's still things that, you know, he looks like the most confident man in the world, but he's still got things that he worries about, you know. And like, the you know, the age-old question, like, you know, why do some of the most vulnerable people I know want to talk to themselves of a career on stage? Like, why do people get out there and do it? And and, and and people do say, they, you know, they, they do say, like, oh, he's so brave, he's so brave. But, you know, I think James, and James really nailed it with this. Everyone who tells us, I couldn't do what you do, <laughs> what do you do if they don't laugh? What do you do if they heckle and all this? And we all act like, like, um, for, for years, I was such a bullshitter yeah. when, when they go like, what do you do if they don't laugh? And go, that's all right, yeah, don't laugh, they don't laugh. It's up to them. Uh, what do you do if someone heckles? So I just fucking deal with it. I, I, I judge it on its own individual merit, it's fine. Yeah. What do you do if you, don't feel, if you don't feel like being funny that day? It's my job, I've got to do it. And it's actually bollocks. All those things that people who don't do stand-up are afraid of and, and, and would worry them and the reasons they don't do it, all of those things affect me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm affected by audiences not laughing. Of course. I'm affected by someone hectoring me. Yeah. I'm affected by being too tired to do the gig. Like, all of it affects me. Yeah. And, um, and most nights I am going, yeah, I'm not, I'm not superhuman. <laughs> I'm exactly like 
everyone else in this room except I wrote some material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, 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 I wrote some material and I worked on it and did gigs, but I'm exactly the same as you guys are. I'm fragile yeah. and I can't really uh, deal with a lot of the yeah. judgment that comes with this with, it. It, with this job. I've never felt like I fitted in yeah. and now I'm sitting in front of you yeah. saying, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. But yeah, really, yeah. I'm like, oh, I just want to fit in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. madness. It I is madness. I want to be accepted by yeah. you all. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, I want to be in front of you Yeah. Doing this to you, yeah. Oh man, yeah. It's, if you, I've done that before at a gig. I remember being on stage, and suddenly I just thought about it. Mm. I just went, "Why are you doing this?" <laughs> in my head, and then suddenly the audience, like they also like felt really far away, mm. and I just. Oh no! Well, and then I could hear myself talking. Yeah. And, oh God! Oh no! I've done it. I've taken the lid off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was fine before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had so many ones where I've articulated that on stage, and I had a gig in Brisbane, and I was—it's the most tired I've ever been before mm. a gig. Like I—I'd I, I'd done uh, two weeks in America, uh, where I'd been like flying to a different place every single day. Bloody hell! And by myself without a tour manager, and doing two shows a night that were. Um, an hour and a half each without an interval each so it's like three hours of comedy a night Jesus and uh, I've done that and I've gone straight to the Melbourne Festival and done my show every day sometimes twice a day for two weeks there obviously incredibly lucky to be able to do all that yeah. but by the end of those four weeks I was exhausted yeah, physically yeah, yeah. and mentally exhausted and I needed a break but instead I'd book myself in this little you know couple of gigs in Sydney Perth, Brisbane before going to New Zealand so like I was uh, I went to Brisbane I think it was it was the last one of those three so I'd done Perth I'd done Sydney I was already kind of like starting to come apart yeah because again like you know your time zones start changing again yeah 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 and they don't realise how much that fucks you up absolutely fucks you up yeah. I, I got, got to Brisbane I remember getting to a hotel at Brisbane and just immediately like one of the few times in my life where I've just like sat down and immediately fell asleep and um, and then got woken up to go to the gig and was so tired and I went on and they were just a very reserved audience. Oh, wow. And so yeah. like, I didn't have any energy and they didn't have any energy. Ugh. And so and, like, instead yeah. of just doing the gig, I, uh, I I kind of like started referencing, you know, they weren't laughing much because in Melbourne, I'd, it kind of become a part of the show. Yes. That I was having a go at the audience but it's because I understand the Melbourne audience a bit more that they're like very right on and they like to show that they're on the right side of every issue so if I did a routine that was a bit right on instead of showing that they agreed with me by laughing they would show that they agreed with me by being silent and nodding and going mm, yes <laughs> and so I kind of I, 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 it was a funny thing throughout the show to lay into them for that and it kind of worked with the themes of the show of like rejection and stuff like that and me rejecting the audience and, and, and my relationship yeah. with the audience so I thought by the time I got to Brisbane, yeah, that's part of the show now is that you, you dig at the audience. And then I had a dig at them and they absolutely were like not having no. any of it. And we're like really surprised and being like, oh, well, we thought we were laughing. We thought we liked this show. And then like, and then eventually it was like, so it was like, they don't, they're not laughing at the show very loud. They're laughing at this stuff even less. And now I've got nothing. And so I kind of like at one point kind of completely just became a normal person on stage and went, um, okay, well, look, I was only doing all that stuff, having a go at you, because normally that's my plan B. Oh, wow. And, deconstructing uh, the so deconstruction. Like, I was only doing that for, to try, but that's not working. So I don't really know where I go from here. <laughs> I'm fucking knackered. And I, I kind of shared too much with them. I like, yeah. really told them about just just, just, just why, why it wasn't going. I was like, okay, well, this is fucked. And 
guess it's pretty awkward now and I don't really know how to get out of this and all this <laughs> and then like people were concerned afterwards like people were contacting my dad on Twitter saying like really worried about your son people contacted Stuart Goldsmith on the uh, oh, Comedians wow. Comedian Facebook group saying you want to check, him, check in, on, <laughs> in on him um, a Reddit thread started about what? about the, the, the one gig uh, and just being like you know who, who was at that gig the other night you know who else is concerned about <laughs> and really it was just that I was absolutely exhausted yeah. and shouldn't have been doing a gig I should have been having a day off that was all it was um, and my but you know my job involves having to talk for an hour yes uh, you know some people if they're feeling like that at work can just get their head down sit behind their desk you know yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. okay I just won't do much work today but I don't have to speak to people out loud about what's going on in my head all the time yeah. uh, whereas like I, I'm having to try and you know make them laugh and sometimes part of making them laugh is being real with them and, and go well if I go this way I might find an observation that we all relate to and then yeah. you don't and you feel even more alienated like oh I'm the only person who feels like this so I'm a weirdo now and they all think I'm weird yeah. <laughs> and then you get defensive yeah but like what I realised I was in a therapy session the other day and I was talking about like needing approval as a kid and needing a like you know um, yeah kind of um, validation from adults yes. as a kid and uh, I remembered that there was this uh, this video of myself uh, uh, you know home video and I'm, I'm there's some family friends are over called Julian and Karen uh, a couple who are friends <laughs> with, my with my parents and there's a video of me going over and showing this drawing that I've done I used to do loads of drawings as a kid and showing it to this guy Julian and being like that and he was like oh that's so good wow James that's really clever that's so and me just like looking up at him like really like you know feeding off of it and yeah, like he yeah, likes yeah. the drawing and he thinks <laughs> um, and like all this and in Brisbane they were at that gig the, the, that couple had right. moved to Australia and I hadn't seen them since I was a kid and they had contacted me and been like can we come and see you tonight and I got them tickets and then on stage all I was thinking was they're not like like oh, those no. two and, all, and I didn't yeah. re I didn't put it together in my head <clears throat> until I was talking in the therapy session he was like is there any like you know because we're talking about need, you know needing validation as a kid and showing adults like drawings or putting plays on and all that and I remembered that video I was like oh fuck that was him and they were Shit, like people yeah. in my childhood. I definitely did that with all the time. Like every time they came over, I would have showed them drawings going, this is good. Do you think this is good? Do you think yeah, this is good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm an adult and they're coming to see me do stand-up for the first time. They haven't seen me since I was in primary school. <laughs> and and I'm like, want to show them that it's great. And then when it goes badly, for some reason I go into this deeper pit of despair than I Mate. usually would. And I don't know why at the time. And then now I'm like, because of, of that. Because that's who they are yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. They're these people that you want them to give you a pat on the head and go, well done, James, we're proud of you, you're doing well. <laughs> and then, and, and now you fucked it. Like, on, on stage, like, they, they're not going to say this to you now. You've completely, they, they're going to think that you're not on the right track with comedy. And, um, you know. But you've got, but you've done so many good things and had so many good gigs and have been so successful that, that, that things like that now probably, you, you, you're able to go, oh, like you've just said, I just needed a night off. Yeah. Where at the time it was probably more intense than that, but now you can sort of look back and go, you know, I haven't fucked my career. Mm. I just had, I just got to take some time out yeah. and I get like that. I, I've learned a valuable lesson. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm able to give myself to know to deal with it. Like, so like, having a year off next year, yeah. which might become two years off, I'm not putting any kind of like no. time limit on it. So there you go. So even someone on James Acaster's level, it's like we said, there's still things to worry about. You know, it's it's a funny one with stand up. I mean, I'm my, myself. I'm I am shy. Fundamentally, I'm a shy person. Yet, I'm at my happiest when I'm stood in front of people making them laugh. It's a strange one that I you can never really explain. Um, you know, I, we had and Mark Steele. Mark Steele was on, and uh, and Mark was like, you know, why do we do stand up? You know. 
But actually, perhaps Mark can answer those questions. I suppose once you start doing your own shows, it takes a while to adjust. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. That. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It, it definitely does. It definitely does. And, and but you know that's so that's. I've managed to reduce one bit of stress out of my life from that. <laughs> and now there's only 900,000 other, other <laughs> sources of stress to to just deal with. Yeah. I don't know. I would take all the psychologists of the world to deal with all my issues. You know, like the Oppenheimer project where they got all the just scientists. All out. All the scientists in, across, in America yeah. and they got them all together to try and make the nuclear bomb. That's what they need to do. <laughs> Working. No, faster, faster. Come on. The guy's crazy. Come on. We've only had two years. <laughs> we need to find out what makes him tick. Come on. I don't think I'll ever suss it out. The fact that we get up and do what we do. Is mental. Fun. It is mad, isn't it? It's mental. And I haven't sort of done my own show for about three months, and that's disastrous because I've got, a, uh, as we sit here now, I've got in two days' time doing the Acme Empire. Nice. And the trouble is, I'm thinking, what? What am I doing? <laughs> so if you keep doing it, it's all right. It'd probably be like being a serial killer. As long as you keep going, <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> if you stop for six months, you think, what am I doing? Sawing people's heads off and putting them in the fridge. But if you keep going, <laughs> you, don't, you like haven't got time to think about it, have you? <laughs> you haven't got you time, don't, to you think haven't about time to think about it. Now I'm thinking, what am I doing? How many people? What the fuck? Tickets? They're more mad than I am. What? Oh. <laughs> it's nice though. You're in a position where people are coming to you to see. Yeah, you. yeah well then, that's, even that's lovely, relative isn't though, isn't it? Because you know you're always uh, you're always in a in a flap in this job. I'm sure that. Uh, you know, I'm sure that when people are selling out, I'm sure, I, I don't know, one day Kevin Bridges will only sell out 15 nights instead of 20 nights oh, at an yeah. arena. And he'll be going, oh, that's all right. Oh, shit, uh, that's it. I'm done. I'm over. Oh, I'm fucking finished. <laughs> got, got 25 minutes to sell out the fucking 15th night. <laughs> Uh, but so it's doing- always it's it's all relative, isn't it? You know, so you know, and, yeah. I, and and I know it's ridiculous because you think, oh, why well, haven't Oh, last year I sold that many tickets, and now it's gone down by thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> but that's and not. People- I don't think that's a personal thing. I think that's just the state of things at the minute, isn't it? People are more reluctant. To go out, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. There's always reason, but that's the terrible thing. When you, if you've not sold tickets somewhere, then that someone will try to make excuse for it. It's it's because it's a Saturday, and people on in Nottingham never come out on Saturdays, and also it is the fifth round of Strictly Come Dancing, which is always a difficult night. (laughs) Yeah, there's always something. And and it is sort of quite mild, and the people in this town don't like mild weather. And and they've got a new one-way system on the far end of town, and that's probably it. And uh, and that is something that really... uh, I think that probably is one of the reasons, not the main one, but I think that is one of the reasons why comics go a little bit do-lally, is because... That is, there really is no hiding from the fact. If people don't come to your show anymore, it's or even if it goes down 10%, yeah. well, then it might be because there's a recession or something that might account for some of it, but really it's a reflection of you're not as popular as you were last year. And conversely, you know, when it goes mm. up, oh, this is good. And there, there isn't really a lot of hiding from that. And you can blame it on publicity and the poster was no good or whatever, but... 
it, 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 it yeah. is sort of, and it's you, isn't it? Which is what yeah, actors don't right, have. They might yeah. go, oh, this play was just shite, you know, and it, it was just a bad choice that I was in that play or I was in, a, you know, brilliant actors or in films that are just rubbish and nobody goes. It's not a reflection on them, but with us... It's oh, just us. You know, it's just us. If people don't come or if it doesn't go down very well or something, it's, it's you. Yeah. It's like they're going, no, no, no. It's not your act, mate. It's, it's, it's you. It's you, personally. You. Just you. <laughs> if you it just, was someone else saying the words, yeah, much better. But yeah, it's but you. It will cunt, to be honest, mate. <laughs> and as you know, he's not that much of a cunt. It's funny, actually, the word, that C word... Yeah, it comes up quite a bit sometimes. And to try to edit it out, we do get a bit carried away now and again. Um, but then Mark you know, brings us nicely onto another recurring subject, which is our parents. Oh, I used to get so drunk, and it was just, I was a terrible mess, really. Yeah, same. And then I hated yeah. being at home, and I didn't get on with me. My dad was in a, a asylum by then. Bloody hell. First of all, um, I suppose we ought to talk about that, shouldn't we? Is that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> given the premise of the, the podcast. But the uh, yeah, me, me, yeah, me dad uh, by then was in this home, right? And these were your adopted parents. Were, yeah, right? so I was adopted at a very young age. Uh, so they were me mum and dad. That's all I, I ever knew uh, was them being me mum and dad. Yeah. And and then me dad, I don't know. I think he would be called manic depressive if he was around okay. today, or bipolar. Sorry, yeah. that's out of date, isn't it? So he'd be called bipolar, I think, because he would have periods where he was really almost like a coke addict. Yeah, he'd be yeah, sort of yeah. like. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then he'd have, and because he was the insurance man, right? So that was his job. He'd go around, knock on the doors, and he'd be all, you know, yeah. all right, hello, Elsie, hello, love. All right, how all you right. doing? Uh, yeah, how's the old man? All right, is his back all right? There you go, darling. See you next week, one and six. Yeah, that was his job. And uh, then, and then if he sold any bits of insurance, then he got a little bit of commission on that. Right. So they'd be like, and he would make a few bob and then he'd just blow it on mm. shite, you know, which is a very up in the bipolar sort yeah, of thing yeah, to do, yeah. I gather. So I remember one day, but I used to like, you know, he'd, he'd take me out and stuff. So there'd be days, I remember one day he went, look, look, right. Now, here, watch what I do here, right? Smart. And so there was a thing in the local paper that there was a big sale, everything must go, up in Westminster. It's so very exciting. We went into yeah, London, right. which, you know, like you... Like we said earlier, yeah. Yeah, that was a rare thing. And I went with my dad, we went into London, and we went to this... It was just a great big market stall in this big hall with a bloke stood there with all this sort of 70s shite you know there <laughs> you go look at this there you go electric toothbrush look at these you've seen these on the telly you thought you'd never have one didn't you missus and all this but it was much bigger than amongst all hundreds of people there I'll tell you what I've got six of them in a pack they're £35 or whatever it wouldn't be that much would it well I don't know they're, they're £5 each I'm not going to ask £5 each I'm not going to ask four free two all this yeah, £5 yeah, see. you can have the lot stick your hands up they've been on the telly police five I'm only joking <laughs> Come on, before they all go, here you go, there you go, Kent, what, lady down there, all that. And my old man, I remember, we, and my old man just bought the fucking lot <laughs> and we loaded up the car with electric carving knives and all the old shit that used to be on the conveyor at the end of the generation. And we'd have all fucking an electric butter dish or something. And we got the fucking, here you are, see? And he'd go, there you go, son, see, smart, you know, that's what you'd have, you're the smart person. See, what I've done, I've gone up here and I've bought, and I thought, this is all shit, dude. And we got it over, went in the loft and it stayed there. 
it to all your fucking dad died. That was it. I moved out. It was never, it was just completely <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> and we don't just talk about uh, our parents. I mean, we could talk about that all day, couldn't we? God bless them. Um, but, you know, we also talk about being parents. And uh, David Biddle had a great story for us. There's a weird parents thing of like, like what happened to the thing that I was looking after, yeah. you know, and I still, you know, he's still young enough that I feel I am sort of looking after him. I don't know whether that would be true anymore. He wouldn't think so, but I thought <laughs> I sort of am. Um, I'm going to tell another story. Go on, I'm going to tell a story on, now. I told this on stage the other day and it, I thought this one get a laugh. <laughs> and I don't even know if I should tell it. And, I'm, and I told it and it got a massive laugh. Okay. Uh, so... I got approached by a paedophile when I was 11 on the tube, 11 or 12. Mm. Um, and that's because my parents not being particularly good parents, they, they just let me go just on the tube go. in the 70s. <laughs> uh, and I used to go to Hamleys, right? Uh, the when toy you were shop. 11? Yeah, Hamleys, by myself to look at toys I couldn't afford. Wow. Uh, I used to do that a lot, just go and look at them, yeah. right? How sad and bleak is that? <laughs> anyway... So I was telling Ezra this story, and I just sort of wasn't really as a stranger danger thing or whatever, but it was just like, I just thought I'll share this with him. And uh, so I was told him the whole story. I was on the tube. I was a young kid. And it's very horrible, this. And a, a, a man sits down next to me. I can still remember he smelled awful and whatever. Crowded tube sits down next to me and says, oh, are you with your parents? And I say no. And uh, and he starts immediately as he, whispering in my ear, just asking me stuff about, my private parts oh, about wow. whether I ever think about girl but I've got any pubic hair you know <laughs> oh, and it's a very horrible thing yeah. I'm really frightened I remember I went and hid in the next carriage and he sort of followed me and it was all oh. really horrible right so I was alright I wasn't mm. abused anyway it was just like really horrible experience anyway I told that story to Ezra and he said did you see anything nice in Hamlet's <laughs> Anyway, it got a massive laugh, and I was so pleased about it because when he did it, I laughed and laughed and laughed yeah. and thought, that is the first time I feel I've told that story and felt a great weight <laughs> lift from me from someone's reaction to it. I mean, <laughs> what a great story that was. Um, yeah, that's the other thing as well. There have been some great laughs as well. We're talking about some quite serious subjects now sometimes, but we do, we, we're able to do it. You sort of see the funny side in a lot of it, um, and that story was uh, no exception. Funny, uh, funny. It was, and again, it was a bit surreal having David Badil on. You know, um, I tell you, what, speaking of surreal, um, we had Romish. Uh, Romish came on, and um, and that was early. That was early in the lockdown, um, and I've been trying to get Romish for ages. And then obviously, we all got locked down, and we were like, "All right, now's the perfect time to do it." So Romish came on. And um, and he really opened up again. He talked about his dad and the tricky sort of relationship he had with his dad, and how his mum now. You know, later now his mum, his mum's really smashing. Like she's on the TV, and she's having a great time, having a great life. You know, it's it was really nice. You know, he so he, so he talked about that. He talked about his childhood. There's again a really great conversation. My dad was obviously pissed off. He'd seen me like coming in whenever I felt like it, and just being a bit of a twat. Um, and uh, he picked me up on it. And um, I oh, remember wow. I turned around and I absolutely like unloaded on him. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. like, you've never been here. You fucked off and did this, that and the other. And then you come back here and you think you can tell me, you know, really horrible yeah, of course. Yeah. shit that if one of my kids said that to me, I would be devastated. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If, if I, and, and so I remember having that, having that go at him and then I left, like walked out of the house or whatever. And yeah. they just let me go because obviously thought I was like, I'd lost my shit or whatever. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. we never mentioned that conversation again. And then as time went on, my dad and I made up and we became very, very close again. And, and when, by the time my dad passed away, I, uh, you know, we were, we had a very good relationship. And, but the thing is, after he passed away, I still thought about that conversation 
and I cried about it as one of the things that I regretted saying to him. Oh, really? Even despite the fact that I'd made my that we'd made amends and you know we yeah. we we were we were very very close. And I think had I you know I just thank God that he hadn't passed away when that was still, ha- you know, do you know what I mean? If I had not mm, made absolutely. things up with him, I would have been yeah. so, I don't know what that would have done to me. Do you know what I mean? It was like, Oh mate. It well, it's funny, a- isn't it? Cause it was like, but judging by what you've just said and then yeah. where, where that feeling came from, I mean, it was justified, but you still felt guilty. Well, it's just for, because, for doing yeah, it, you know? it's because I don't know. You, you, you can't help thinking, do you know, I don't know why my dad made the decisions he did. And I don't know, what pressures he was under. I don't know what no. he was going for any of those things. And I'm not saying that justifies how he behaved at all. No. But I think that regardless of what he did, the way that I spoke, I mean, it was, it was brutal. Do you know what I mean? It's probably the most brutal thing I've ever said to anybody. Do you know what I mean? That, oh, that really? sort of, that, that monologue to him. Mm, and I, wow, and you know, so I think, regardless of what he did it, it as you know I, I in my in my heart i feel like he didn't really deserve to hear that from yeah me. i remember doing a similar thing with my dad and i saw it was a moment where the there was the the, the power dynamic changed between us right when <clears throat> i'd split up with the mother of my kids i was living back there for a bit um and he came in and i was sat in his chair and i was on the phone yeah. Um, it's about 20 years ago now. And he came in from work and he looked at me and he's like, and he mouthed like, you're in my chair. And I, and I, I lost my shit. And right. I just went, you, you're in your fucking chair. I let, and I threw the chair across the room. Yeah. And I really lost my shit because I was going through this other stuff. Yeah. And all that sort of thing. And then I stood up and he, and he went to go for me. And he went, he goes, I'm not having this. And I went, yeah, we're going to fucking do. And he flinched. And at first, that was, the, I, I cried my eyes out because oh, I saw. Mate. He became. He went from being my dad to this like little man, and I and I went out and just I just I remember driving my car off, thousand miles an hour, driving off, just crying. I couldn't I couldn't control myself. Yeah, and yeah, I was just heartbroken, and went back afterwards and said to him, Dad, I'm listen. Regardless of anything, I should never ever talk to you in that way. That's that's yeah. Like you've just said, regardless yeah. of anything that's gone before, yeah, you yeah. Know, you did, you did. You're my dad, and you never. You know, I should have more respect. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Yeah, so I get it, man. You're so mad yeah. with the parent thing. I mean, this is a much more, uh, much uh, lighter example than than the one you just gave. But like, yeah, remember, sorry about that. No, 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 no. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just sort of. I don't want to trivialize what you just said, but yeah. like. My, I remember the first, my mum my used to like hit us a fair bit, right? Like not right. hard, but she used to give us, you know, Sri Lankan upbringing, do you know what I mean? You know, I, remember, I, I, remember, <laughs> I don't know, that was the same with us as well. <laughs> my mum's got some Sri Lankan. Yeah, there. maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> She's got some cultural uh, influences or something. But um, <laughs> I remember the first time my mum was like, my mum was chasing me around the bedroom and uh, because the bedroom was like, uh, was messy and right. she tripped over and like fell, like fell down. And I remember thinking, shit, I didn't know mum could fall down. I didn't know she could trip over. Oh, like, wow. like the cycle, like, I just thought my parents were so perfect. I didn't see them as people. Do you know what I mean? You see them as these infallible, yeah, yeah. these infallible beings that always get everything right and their judgment is impeccable and all that. You go yeah. through that. As a kid, that's what you believe. And then obviously, as you get older, you realise that they're just, they're just regular people. Do you know what I mean? They make mistakes and stuff like that. But yeah. it's such a weird thing, isn't it? Those little changes in your perception of your parents are so mad. Oh, mate. Yeah, like you say, they go from being your parents that know yeah. everything yeah. to being human beings that are just trying to get by themselves. Yeah. They're still working it out. The one thing that I think I feel the most, 
happy about is my mum. Is my mum getting her her being on TV or her enjoying oh, yeah. the success and all that kind of stuff? I, I think that, I, I, mate, I went through. I mean, I reckon I went through two years of living in, a, staying in a bed and breakfast. My mum, my brother, and I were in the same room, maybe Bloody eighteen hell. months, and I reckon my mum cried herself to sleep. 80 to 90 percent of those nights like that is and so like you sort of think about that i mean you think now to i think to myself well my mum's doing this that and the other like she's so happy Mm. in how things well yeah do you know what i mean she's so happy for that and i think to myself well fucking hell that is an amazing thing that was a real pleasure to have romish on and, and talking about his experiences and you know, it's been, it, like I keep saying, it's been a real eye opener doing these doing these interviews, and it's taught me a lot. Um, it's taught me a lot about how I interact with people, and and, and certainly doing this as a uh, hosting a podcast. I actually, I actually do care. I care about the guests that are on. It's all about the guests. I care about the people listening. You know, it's not just this isn't just a platform for me to just like show off. It's actually, I actually do want to do my bit. To, to, for people and their mental health and 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 this one Ishan Akbar came on and again I've, I've worked with Ishan loads and we've had a kind of conversation before in the car on the way to uh, comedy shows and things like that but we haven't really got stuck in but this one he came in and um and this was it was very it was disarming is the word I don't know it kind of he was so open about what was going on that day and it's, and and the things like we he, he opened about opened up about his attempted his, his attempted suicide and but the way it was done it was like a there was we did it in a way it was just it just kind of naturally just tumbled out of us in this wonderful loving fun sort of way you know it was a nice it was a nice thing um you know and and Ishan came on and he talked about his mum on a on a very very important day for him how are you feeling. I'm feeling all right. It's, yeah. it's, so it's the fifth anniversary of the day my mum passed away. Yeah. Um, and so this morning I kind of left the house and I was fine at home. Mm. And then I just started crying on, on the train. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because when you're a bloke that cries on the train, mm. other people don't actually know what to do. No. So there's no <laughs> tissues being offered, no hug, <laughs> no sandwich. Yeah, yeah. And then people look and go, I wonder what he's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, because I was wearing a hoodie and had a rucksack, they were probably thinking, oh, it's a final journey for a minute. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Move away. Everyone's to, moving away. Yeah, to a different <laughs> carriage. Like, that's going to save you. <laughs> oh, God. And your name's Zach, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just saying your name over and over again. I wonder if suicide bombers do cry before. It must be terrifying. There must be a mo- there must be a moment. Um, yeah. Oh, what am I doing? I'm going to lose everything now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because anyway. yeah, yeah, they, they get they get sewn into the vest as well. They can't take them off. Yeah, they can't. Yeah. So if you change your mind, you're buggered. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do they just do they sew it into your clothes or do they sew it into your body? I don't know. Don't know why I'm asking you. That's massively racist. <laughs> just to assume well, from you know. the newsletter. So tell me about the suicide bombers. <laughs> from, from the newsletter I get every month, uh, Rich. It's so- <laughs> Bombers monthly. <laughs> so to your clothes. What weird diversion this is. They just get it tucked into the Quran. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like with a new shopper. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. That's funny. Anyway. Sorry, dude. So today was the day. Why? I, I, I'm, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad it came. You just. If I. Good yeah, release. Just get it off. Yeah. Listen. If anyone's listening, I'm really sorry. <laughs>
This is always how our conversations end up at some point, though, Rich. No. I think this is yeah. I think this you and I hit it off straight away when we first met. Yeah, you looked and, really dapper. And you uh, you were very. You're just one of those people. I think that just you're just very open and honest and inviting. Yeah. And you, we just, straight away we were just hit it off. Yeah. And I and I remember being in the cars going, "This is a beautiful man." Yeah. Thank you. you know? I and felt it, the same yeah, about you. Just straight away. And then you were telling me that wonderful story about your mum yeah. and the ceremony that surrounded what, what happened when you know when she passed on and and it was it was one of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard yeah I mean my mum my mum passing was still to this day something I reel from mm, um, cool. I don't think you ever get over it yeah you, you know? don't and I think I think particularly because we're talking about mental health as well mm. is this one thing I don't think people talk about enough my girlfriend actually put me wise to this is yeah. that we don't talk enough about the triggers that lead to people having mental health issues for a certain period of time. Yeah. Um, so the way I felt since my mum died, after that I was with a horrible woman who, who cheated on me three times. What? And I let her, basically, because right. I was just like so bereft of self-confidence. You just felt, I, I, was, like, I'm, I don't gonna get, deserve anything better. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to get any better than this, and this is better than nothing. Yeah, right. Um, so I had a string of quite bad relationships, um, and uh, in November last, well, where are we now, 2019? November 2017, mm. um, you know, I, I, I tried to jump in front of a train. What? Um, because it was just a culmination of right. so much, you know, my mum, my relationships, the general feeling as a bloke of you thinking, you know, I left a banking career to do this job, yeah, I've not yeah, done yeah, enough yeah. for my parents, I've not done this, you know. and. My whole thing has been, I don't talk to anyone. No. I never did. I never talked to my mates. Yeah, right. It's quite solitary what we do. Yeah. Isn't it? It's a very solitary job. You're, and, and particularly because I had just started my career then. Mm. I was driving to kind of fuck but nowhere yeah. by myself, having time to think and ruminate about all the things that I didn't oh, do with yeah, my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and talking to my friends was, it was never really the, an option that I've ever considered. Yeah. Only because I'm the fun guy, yeah, you know, and I don't want to bother people with my problems. And how, and how do you start the conversation? How do you, that's the main problem that a lot of people find is, have is that, how do you say to your mate, when, when every time, you have certain relationships with certain people, yeah, and every time you see that person, there's a level that you're always on, yeah, like a banter, if yeah. you will, yeah, yeah, and how do you come, come out of that and go, do you know what, actually, I'm not, I'm not feeling great, yeah, and I'm really, I'm really, I'm teetering, on the edge here of doing yeah. something really daft. That's the difficult bit, but you felt you could. Well, I, I, at the time, you know, in November 2017, when... So did you go to actually do it? Yeah, yeah, so what happened is, is I was basically fine. For a couple of weeks, I was fine. Yeah. I felt a lot better. Um, and that morning, I was on my way into work, mm. uh, and I got to Stratford Station, <clears throat> And for some reason, this thought just came into my head that, oh, the way you solve your problems you is by take yourself out. Take yourself out. And it was a central line train. A train was coming in. And I went to jump. And I distinctly remember this. I went to jump. And I hesitated because I remembered I had a meeting at 10.30 yeah, right. at work. Like, it was as yeah, yeah, yeah. minor as that. It wasn't, I'm going to miss my brother, I'm going to miss whatever. You went, oh, shit, I've got... I've got a meeting. Oh, bollocks, yeah, I've got things right? to do. So as I went to jump, I hesitated, and the train kind of hit my back. 
and I rolled back onto the platform. You were that close? Yeah, yeah. Like it was, I mean, inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Um, rolled onto the platform. Did anyone see you? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it, it was a busy, busy platform. One person, a woman was like, oh, he's been hit by a train, he's been hit by a train. Another bloke was like, no, I think he jumped, I think he jumped. And at that point, I just got up and just belted it out of the station. Yeah, right, okay. Fuck, took a, man. Took a, went to the Pret outside Stratford Station, got myself a coffee. Yeah. And then went into work and did the gig that night. You just, did you feel, having been that close to doing it, Yeah. and then did you feel, then you went, actually, I don't actually want to do that? Um, or you just went, I'll get the meeting out of the way and I'll do it on my own? I kind of... Or I'll do it later? Well, it, the doing it again didn't really enter my mind. It was just that moment mm. felt so clear. And after mm. that, I was just like, well, I mean, it happened and it was kind of like an out-of-body experience. Mm. Um, I'm just going to get on with it. Yeah, right. And I didn't talk to anyone. And it took about maybe three months before I told anybody. Holy shit. That's yeah. massive. Well, yeah, I mean, and yeah. I, I guess people might be thinking, well, he's talking quite casually about it now. But I think... If you speak to anyone who's ever attempted something like that, yeah, yeah. we do get quite casual about it because it's something that isn't outside the realms of possibility. No. And so it's easier for us to just talk about it. You know, I can talk to you very openly about my mum's death. Mm. What I feel about it, I'd probably struggle with. Yeah, right. Yeah. I can tell you everything that happened, the burial, me going into the grave, lowering her yeah, to rest yeah. and all that. The, the superficial stuff I can talk about, but the feet, like facing up to the feelings, even, you know, just now, my, what I felt about trying to do that to myself yeah, in November, yeah. I just... Just... Yeah. It's just now a part of you, it's just a story that a you tell. A story I have. Yeah. So even that, that's, you know, we, it was a, that, that conversation for me made me realise that suicidal thoughts are kind of, they're more prevalent than we realise, and just because you might have them, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It's just there's something, you know, you just, you know, something else in your life is hurting and you want it to stop and you don't, you know, you don't really know how to deal with it. And that's what I've gained. That's what I gained from that. It kind of, that, that chat of Ishan really opened my eyes to that. And it was a real, I, I just, even now I think about it, I'm like, that's quite a pivotal moment throughout this, uh, you know, in this podcast. And I mean, another pivotal moment is when Dane Baptiste came down. Um, we'll return to parents in a bit, but um, at the end of this episode, and uh, uh, for one of my uh, most favourite interviews of the whole series. But first, Dane came down. Dane is one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. And he knew what he wanted to say. He knew how he wanted to say it. And he came in and he sat down after a couple of pleasantries and a couple of uh, bottles of water. Off he went. And it was something else. Um, and he, and he, you know, we talked about... Um, we, we got onto the subject of men's relationship with women on a broader level and, and he explained he explained so much about this and it was so at one point Patrice Paul and I just looked at each other and were like fuck this is incredible it was so to the point and succinct and it, all the details were in there nobody put it more succinctly than Dane Baptiste because obviously on this podcast you were talking about like men and men with mental yeah, health yeah. And, and, and in some ways that can always be exist as a uh, a schism to women's health and you know, obviously, people talk about men's issues because, like I said, we've not had the opportunity to increase or work on developing emotional yeah. intelligence. That's it. And um, it's crazy because it's like the paradox that is required for you to know you come from a woman, 
and then have some say in how they should be controlled. Mm, I know. That paradox, look, you are always going to be fucked in your head. Yeah. And the reason why is because it's like whoever a man is, I don't care how tall, how strong, every man on this planet has cried for a woman. Yeah, right. So yeah. for there to even for patriarchy to even exist, it's probably the biggest paradox that men are dealing with in terms of their mental health yeah, is man. that you are born in reverence to a woman. Yeah. And at the behest of one. That's it, yeah. So now this supposition that they are trying to usurp us or take power from you. Yeah, man. It's, it's insane. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's a du- and it's a duality that will fuck you forever. Yeah. Because you're going to live in constant fear that you're going to be really, you feel, because a woman really is a reflection of your helplessness. And really nothing will undercut the image or the narrative of masculinity than a woman. Yeah. Because like I said, it doesn't matter strongest man in the world you cried your fucking eyes out when you were born because a woman you needed a woman to take care of you because a man couldn't do it because you nurse from a woman she that's who they cut the cord from that's how you'll survive how she can can, however she conducts herself will determine the manner in which you come into this world yeah so this idea that losing ground to matriarchy if they wanted us dead you'd be fucking dead (laughs) simply put if they wanted wanted us dead we'd be fucking dead True, true so it's like again for you to like be like oh I'm a Darwinist but then women have lower rates of mortality in infancy they su- they're more likely to survive they're more they're, they are the reason we're able to continue as a species so there is no interest be it political or social for women to suppress men no. or because we need them to survive right. and they create us in order for us to survive yeah. that is an instinct they've had we, we, way before you were even any kind of field of study yeah. regarding gender it's the instinct they've always had yeah man to, where yeah. rain shine sleet snow hail the reason we're still fucking here is that in the midst of war and famine women are still like women. I still have to bring my fucking offspring into this world that's right man yeah so yeah you nailed it man and that's, and that's, yeah. and that's the big part of men and our paradox and what we struggle with is this, this fact that like we feel, we feel we have to create all these ideas. Like at the end of the evolutionary train of Homo sapien, it's a, like a European man with a spear. The, the definition of species is an organism that can mate with another organism and produce viable offspring. And that just basically means like a lion and tiger can mate, but normally the offspring will be uh, infertile. Mm. So that's why lions and lionesses yeah, mate. Right, so right, that's, right. The, that's different species. So human beings, we, we're all Homo sapien. And there's been a lot of pseudoscience created to say that we're different, whether it's like phrenology and the shapes of our heads. And we talk about breeds more than mating, because that's yeah. the problem, with, like in Europe, we breed more than we mate. So it's like, this person's from this stock and they're from this class and we yeah, focus yeah. on this rather, but we're all homo sapien and it doesn't affect us at all. So we've kind of fucked ourselves in that respect. But because of the fact that you need to define a species, you need a member of that species to be able to pass its genes on, only women can do that. Yeah. So why a woman isn't at the end of the evolutionary chain is the beginning of where our problems begin. Yes, women. We'd be nowhere without them. I tell you what, I genuinely say that, I say that with my hand on my heart. I wouldn't be the man I am today without the women that have been in my life. Women, women just, they just sort shit out. They're just, they're just in charge, aren't they? I don't know, I don't know why men fight it. Just accept it, you know? You know, we'd be nowhere without them. Um, but how much uh, did I really understand them? Uh, not at all, it turns out. Um, according to my partner, Jade Adams, I don't know as much about women as I thought I did. So, you know, we thought, right. So in June 2020, we launched a spin-off show, Insane in the Fembrain, uh, where I talked to women about what it's like to be a woman. Because we said, well, no, I don't know, do I? And we, 
and we really got stuck in. And it was again, it's been truly enlightening. Uh, one of our first guests that month was Eleanor Tiernan, who I've worked with many times before. Fantastic comic, and um, and she chose our chat to make a little announcement. We spoke a couple of weeks ago, mm. and you and you said. I, I, news sounds a bit shit. You have news. <laughs> I know, and it's 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 it is weird. It's it's kind of the way I was telling my friends that this thing that I, I uh, that has has been happening for me uh, a few weeks ago, and the way I introduced it to them was I said I have a bit of gossip, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, "Did you look over your shoulder at first? Like, look around, see if anyone was looking." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the great thing about gossip, about this particular piece of gossip, because it's about myself. So nobody, we don't need to feel bad about about uh, uh, sharing around. sharing it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I came I came out um, in February. I think it's it's not a there's no exact moment when it happened, but I feel like that's the time that it happened. Um, and um, yeah, I I started going through that process of owning the fact that I'm gay. And yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, sharing with and including people in my life, and uh, yeah, um, living my life as a lesbian. And yeah. uh, I was yeah, that's it's it's been it's been great. Uh, it's, so I how mean, do you how do you feel? <laughs> so I feel uh, yeah, I feel more grown up, and I feel more alert, and I feel oh. more able. And I feel more, I feel braver and I feel like uh, I, I I have more of myself now for the rest of the world. And more, mm. I, I, think, I think I can pay better attention to the world now that I'm not, I haven't got this little, uh, I guess, whack-a-mole thing inside of me that I have to just keep trying to shut up, which is kind of what being in the closet is like. It's yeah. like I was, <laughs> this is going to sound too much like material, but what I've been <laughs> feeling is like, you know, in your in your laptop, you keep like getting your, you keep getting asked to download an, an upgrade and you keep oh, yeah. going, fuck off with the upgrade. <laughs> I don't want, that was like what being in the closet was like, it's like coming out was the upgrade. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> Fuck my laptop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm fine how I am. This is the That's old. It, this yeah. is the old system works really well. Um, so I was. Yeah, I had. I had. All, I had. When you have that going on, you put. You, and it's. It's a, a lot of it's unconscious, but you put an enormous amount of energy, emotional energy intellectual energy and a lot of physical energy as well into uh, uh, curtailing uh, mm. a, a certain uh, protecting a certain secret that you have and you're trying not to uh, you're trying to protect yourself uh, by doing that but it's it's ultimately I, I guess you know it's 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 like putting a, 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 a weight on a structure that it can't hold or it's not designed to hold mm. uh, and uh, uh, it's uh, yeah you can feel you, it buckling yeah, you can. Yeah, and I, I guess, I, I guess, I did, myself personally, I didn't, I, I didn't get to a point where there was a complete collapse, but it was, it was, I could see it coming, and mm. I was trying to, okay, well, you know, uh, I, I, I can, uh, what's the smart, what's the, trying to do the smart thing here, you know, I can, I can, I can wait for that to happen, or I can just do it now, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, save myself the hassle. And I mean, I, th there's lots of hassle I didn't save myself. 
myself, you know, I could have done this a lot sooner in my life uh, when because it's not like I, I kind of like this, like a lot of women or, or people come out when when they come out later in life. It's like, oh, this is something I just realized. I'm, you know, I've, I'm in a new relationship now and it's great. Well, this is definitely something that I kind of uh, knew about myself from my early 20s and uh, just wasn't in a place where I felt confident enough to share it and uh, like in a, and hopeful enough that I could expect a good reaction from yeah, uh, right. from people um, why which, was that it just just was it your did you sort of were you projecting you were assuming that they wouldn't take it well or or I mean, from the reaction I've gotten now, that Rich, this is going to seem so daft because, like, my, when I told my parents about this back in March, they were like enthusiastic about it, mm. like not 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 accepting. Like they were like, "Okay, you know, you got to get out. You got to tell your brother, your other brothers. Yeah, right. You know, we want to tell our friends, and we can't do that until you have all your boxes ticked." Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, whoa, 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 everybody, yeah. hang on, Calm hang down. on, hang on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the gay one here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, you're taking away. My moment for fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah. If I want to milk it, I'll milk it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it um so so the the, the like the, the support I have in my life and I'm I'm very lucky is 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 great. So now I kinda have to look back and go, what the hell was I doing? Why did I wait so long? And because mm. it's because I think more of it is down to me than I was initially assuming. Uh and I think uh possibly I think the the short version of what happened i think is is possibly when I was quite young. Uh, I was, you know, had a, a, a you know, bullying experience in school mm, and yeah. I became very alert to not giving anybody information that could be used against me. And right. I guess the world I was living in at the time, which coupled with that, I didn't see lesbians in the world being hugely celebrated. I no, didn't see, no. <laughs> I didn't see anybody. <laughs> a, yeah, I'm not going to admit to know, that. Yeah. yeah yeah, yeah, you know, it just seemed like a way to kind of, you know, help people who wanted, you know, to harm me. Uh, mm. And uh, I, I was like, you know, I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm no idiot. Well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Why would I do that? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I just, I, I waited, I, I waited a good, a good 20 years to see if that wow. was. Just to make yeah. sure. I know, to make sure. And uh, yeah, I think so far so good, uh, basically. Ellen, it's Ian in there. Um, and what a, what a privilege, what a privilege uh, to have her come on the show and and, and do that and to, to announce something so so important in her life, you know. And the, the press loved her coming out on our podcast. There was a lot of, lot of messages we got. And, you know, it was a really beautiful moment, a really beautiful thing to be a part of. Something I've never experienced before. It was it was a wonderful thing, um, and then it seemed like it, yeah, like she'd pushed open the floodgates, and uh, and because because exactly one week later, I was talking to Jess Fosterkew about similar experiences. You've recently come out, is it recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the last yeah. year, I was really nervous, but I just sort of made a deal with myself, and if I'm honest, with my shrink, about like it right. had got to the point where because I'm good mates with both my parents, and it was starting to feel um, duplicitous that I was talking about it so freely in my friendship groups and in my work that I hadn't mm. said anything, you know, to them. And yes. I was like, ah, so I, I was like, right, well, when there's a, uh, when there's a natural opportunity for it, 
um, I'll just uh, I'll have those conversations, and then I'd I'd it'd come up, and and I told my mum, and that's another story in itself. But um, uh, then I, she'd said, well, you know, I don't think you need to tell. She was a bit, you know, one of the not perfect things she said was, I don't think you necessarily need to tell your stepdad or your dad. And I was like, oh, I think, you know, I think I do. Mm. I think I probably yeah. do. Um, <laughs> what am I going to just, shall I just introduce them to my to my girlfriend and just sit, <laughs> just curveball it like that? Jesus. So anyway, yeah, I was say Say, no, say nothing at all, yeah. 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 What? <laughs> just just be sat there with a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Like nothing. Um, no, my... Um, God, I've, I've I've not told this story to many people at all. I, I was just having a coffee with my dad in his little flat, and he um he was talking about. I was saying that um there were that my ex and me had banned a particular TV show that our kid had been watching because he reenacts bits of certain shows, and there's been one or two shows that he's watched a few of, and then just been really violent for a couple of weeks, and he's acting out. This it's called Dino King. If anyone wants to steer clear of it okay. on Netflix. Um, and he'd just been right. he sort of acts it out and then but it gets really wound up while he's doing it so anyway I was saying that to dad and dad said oh well when um, where, when his his next batch of kids were uh, little um, one one his son James had mates two boys who were never allowed to watch anything they were never allowed to watch any even slightly violent telly or films they were ne- weren't even allowed fizzy drinks and um, and I was like, oh, right. And he went, and what's really funny about it is uh, um, one of them's grown up to be the biggest drug dealer in, I'll say, insert town in Hampshire. Mm. And, um, and he went, and the <laughs> other one's a bender. And I was like, oh. oh. And I sat there and I was like, well, do you know what, Dad? <laughs> this is so eggy. Even if you're laying it, I was like, funny you should say that because I'm, I'm a, at least half a bender, Dad. And just sort of put it in his own language. And he was like, oh, right. Wow. He was like, oh, oh, all right. Like that, and he smirked the <laughs> smirk on his face. He just his he, he just was tickled. Um, oh, I it's one of those funny things where I my mum told me that when I was so when I was about eleven, I am. Um, I think it's not a coincidence that's when my parents were breaking up, but my God, they definitely needed to break up. Um, but mm. that I, that was a rough old year for lots and lots of reasons. And um, I had a, a, like I stopped eating and stuff and um, I just had a rough old year. And my dad apparently in one of their few discussions about it with my mum had said, I think maybe she's a lesbian. Um, which is really funny, I think, right. because actually I, I don't think I was like, I never, I don't, I don't have any recollections of any crushes. I never had crushes on girls at school. Like I was so into boys and, yeah, um, right. and I've had loads of, so I, I don't know what to identify as really. Something changed rather than me. I'm not one of those people mm. that knew when they're from, they were a tiny kid that they were queer um, at all. I'm not saying I wasn't like on a spectrum, but I didn't, I never had any dalliances like the no. odd kiss off my nuts on recreationals. <laughs> <laughs> but Who hasn't exactly, done that? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? That's just um, yeah. that's just having a nice open mind. I didn't have, fall yeah. for anyone. There weren't like, and I didn't. I, I genuinely was someone who would be like, well, I, I think she's very good looking. That person, and you know, but I wouldn't. I didn't want to get in people's pants. Something changed. Something fundamentally changed. And um, so he was wrong then as well. But I think that's why yeah. the smirks spread across his face because he probably thought, oh, right, always knew that or something. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But um, he's just, and then he's been, you know, he's been quite honest about, he's told, you know, various family members and stuff who've not 
taken to it well. I couldn't give a shit though. Do you know what I mean? That's the joy of coming out in your mm. mid thirties. Um, Cause I think if you yeah. have to endure that when you're a kid or a teenager and you're, you're very, every fiber of your self-worth cause you don't really know who you are yet depends on what your loved ones think of you and how much they yes. respect you. Whereas when you're 36, it's just like, well, I don't, I couldn't <laughs> give a shit what uncle Jim thinks. <laughs> Apparently my, no. I have an uncle whose name isn't really Jim, but who said, Oh God, we've already got one of those in the family. Because um, <laughs> his brother's gay. <laughs> it's disowned oh, brother's gay. Yeah, it's madness. Uh. But um, it's one of those funny things where I think if you talk to people who've had a lifetime of being oppressed for their queerness, they're quite sad mm. about my coming out story to my dad. Whereas in the context of knowing my dad and knowing that I, I am new to this tiny drop in privilege so far, <laughs> I have a lot to learn, <laughs> um, that actually this was fine. Like there is no hatred there's no drop in respect he's not going to change the way he's he he will he'll be like lovely to my girlfriend like he's he's sound like he just needed to Mm. it's how he copes with stuff is to get angry or laugh that's his that's what he does that's the that's his range that's his pair of Mm. emotions and um he uh he got a pair of emotions and he yeah and he chose laughter and um and uh, I, had, I had a lovely story actually because he's been so jolly and he's he's had questions and stuff and he's just he's he's very positive but there's this little naughty little smirk I think he thinks the whole thing's a bit funny um, uh, that one of my dear mates who still lives down in Dorset where uh, he lives walked past him and um, outside of Par Basper and um, she said one of them said have you heard Jess's news or whatever and um, she said they both said yeah yeah of course and um she said to him well done keith like you've been you've been really sound about it you've been really lovely and he went have i done it right and he seemed so he had no idea whether he'd had the right reaction i mean nor am i it did involve the word bender it's not ideal but um (laughs) (laughs) but it's the intent it's the intent isn't it he wasn't with that generation it just is the intent you know yeah yeah so jess foster q again a fantastic chat I've, again, I've known Jess for years and, and it's been, again, it's been nice to see someone on there, you know, they're like you know, blossoming and, 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 and find out who they really are. It's been really, it's been a joy to, to see that, see that growth. And, and I, I, you know, I, like I said at the beginning, I feel I've grown since doing this podcast. Um, the man that set me on my journey uh, and one of our, one of our first guests is Mr. Michael Smiley. And the man the man I met, I met when I met him. I mean, I knew him from the TV, from the TV show Spaced, and I know I've said that on the episode. But the, when I met him, the man the, he changed my life. He really put me on a different path. And without him, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I, I, I will never not be ungrateful. I, 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 for, I will forever be grateful to Michael Smiley for everything he's done for me. And he's it's, it's one of those. Just, I'm a lucky, per, lucky man to have him in my life. And, and you can tell on this as well, it's, um, it's one of our favourite interviews over the last two years. Um, not only mine, it was a, it was a fan favourite as well, um, to the point that, that we used it as, a, as a, our listening party on social media. We actually, uh, we actually played the episode and we got people to listen to it. Uh, and then we were commenting on Twitter and Michael joined in, Scroobius Pitt was joining in and a few others. And it was a real moment. It was really nice that that happened. So, um, look, thank you for, for, for listening to this show. Thank you for your continued support. I'm going to let Michael finish the show. Um, it's our, like I say, it's our hundredth show. It's two years in, um, and he talks about his parents. He talks about his own experiences of parenting. 
Um, we had a beautiful moment, Maya and I, just wonderful, beautiful, emotional hug at the end of the at the end of the episode. It was a wonderful moment. Um, again, thank you for listening to us, and uh, and we'll see you next time on Insane in the Membrane. I had a th- I have I had always had a thing with my kids, which is that trying to teach them when enough's enough mm. to be able to say, yeah. look, this is what that good is really funny but if it goes on too long it becomes tedious and yeah, boring and then yeah, you'll be told yeah, to shut the yeah, fuck up yeah. so the shorthand was first time great second time alright third time enough <laughs> third time no yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. so is that the, the, the sort of the law of three even the law of three within comedy of course you know? yes you know? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. but it's that way of sort of passing on what you've learnt not because if you have wisdom it's because I've been down that road yeah and I know what that road where that yeah, road leads yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. road leads to you being told to go to bed early because you're becoming a pain in the arse. Yeah. So that's why you can't have that extra glass of Coca-Cola at seven o'clock. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why that's not happening. Because you're going to be pirating around go- it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to sit and talk to you about it and explain it to you. So yeah. then the next time I tell you, that's the second time I've told you <laughs> and the third time. And I've said to my kids, you don't want to see this face. Yeah. So why don't we do it like do it this that. way, yeah. Do it this way. You know, one of the things that I've been consistently most of my life is a dad. Yeah. You know, I've been a dad since I was a wee lad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, similar to yourself. Same, you, you absolutely, yeah. Young fathers. Yeah, man. And, you know, I was a dad from when I was 20. Same, yeah. And, you know, so that's weird because, like, me and you are born the same day. Yeah, I'm a bit, could yeah, bit older than it, you, but, yeah. you know, that, you know, that thing of your life being measured by, you know, I was a dad when I was before I was a man. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I grew up with my kids, uh, but also that thing of that you didn't have, you tried to have carefree days, but you couldn't. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, no matter what I did, it was a wee bit spicy. In the back of my head, there was that thing of, but you've got a kid. Yeah, man. Yeah. Everybody else is flying their kite and they're, they're yeah. doing that in their 20s. I always had one hand on the ground. Yeah. Just, you've got a kid. Yeah, Whether you yeah. like it or not, you can... <clears throat> not see them you can have a bad relationship with the wife you, you know, she can be your ex you maybe never had a relationship with her but you've still got a kid yeah. you can't have an yeah. ex kid no right like my dad the day that my eldest was born my dad I was just in that sort of washing machine head that didn't know what really yeah, was going on right, it yeah. just it happened <laughs> <laughs> it's happened <laughs> it's you know and saying to my dad holding this wee beautiful wee baby boy in my, ha- in my arms and my dad I said New Year's Day I said wow. what do you think and my dad looked at me and went toothpaste out of the tube now son <laughs> don't be pushing that don't be pushing that back in again yeah. my dad was I wouldn't say my dad wouldn't say was a, a misogynist in any way but he he still he would he would never make himself a cup of tea no my mum made, made him a cup of tea um, and it was what was celebrated was Madaz, um Christmas stuffing for the turkey. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there's always that, oh, Dad's Which, making a curry on oof, Friday. <laughs> that's Christmas. My dad's going to do the stuffing. Yeah, <laughs> like once a year. Yeah, once yeah, a yeah. Year. That was it. Um, but that's not to say he, you know, he was he was always curious, and I think I've still got I got that from him. My dad was always curious about. The difference between men and women, how men yeah. view things, how women view things. So that was always up for debate. Yeah. And and also he was married to my mother, and my mother was a lioness. Right. She was fierce. Yeah. And very loving. 
and very fierce. You wouldn't you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of Alice. No, no. But um, and she was quick. She was inner city. Her, her sense of humour was very inner city. Right. When I was from inner city Belfast, and one of the most beautiful things I remember, I was over doing a thing. My both my parents have passed on now, and I was and staying in this hotel or this B and B called the Rayan House. If you ever know it now near Hollywood, go and stay in the Rayan House. Right. It's the only five-star B&B in the whole of Ireland. <laughs> they do a t- they do the Titanic uh, menu. Okay. <laughs> and so on to do the menu from the Titanic. Wow. But also the husband and wife team that run it, impeccable food. Yeah. The, the award-winning, the breakfasts are just unbelievable. I've never yeah, seen a right. breakfast like it. You know, three, four pages long, you can choose from oh, wow. breakfasts. And, yeah. Uh, so I stayed there. And I'm walking along, it's on Domain Road, which is along the back road, near the Hollywood Golf Club or um, Rory McIlroy country, right? So it's quite detached house, okay. um, posh houses, yeah. right? And I used to do my paper round along there when I was a kid. So I'm walking into Hollywood one morning and to have a coffee and reminiscing, both my parents are dead. I'm walking along that street this road to main road and I'm remembering all the, the little things that I have you know going back haven't been home for 35 years so everything's like a little memory yeah I'll get a smell and I'll, and I'll a certain place and I passed this house um, that my mother used to clean in she was a cleaner and I was a wee kid and I remember and did you go with her a lot of the time yeah yeah and this house had an orchard in the front garden and I climbed I remember climbed one of the trees and took one of the apples and the woman came out and she ripped me a new one. Right. And I remember walk, every time I've walked past that house, I always <laughs> have that memory. And I've been about six or seven. And I remember my ma being mortified. And not pretending to have a go at me and tell me off, but actually she was yeah, annoyed more, yeah. with this woman. But it was her job. She was the cleaner. Yeah. Da, da, da. Yeah. Anyway, fucking middle class. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm at that, here's the God's honest truth. I'm at that point, looking at that house, having that memory, and I looked, and as I said, I've been away from home a long time. So you see faces of, I see old Hollywood faces. Right. And I go, I know you, but I don't know your name or whatever, <laughs> right? And this guy come walking towards me. He's like, oh, Michael, how you doing? You over for a wee while? And here's me, I'm over, I'm doing a TV show. He says, oh, good to see you. It's good, always good to see you on the TV. So I work with your mother down in the, the ordinance. My mom was a stitcher in the ordinance. Right, temple. right, right. And I, I, he said, I work, work with Alice down the Remy there in the Ordnance Depot. Am I all right? And he says, I, your mother, great woman, great woman. I said, oh, thanks very much. He says, I, he says, I, Alice, word mechanic. She was a word mechanic. And he walked off. And I just heard word mechanic. And yeah. I just thought, what a beautiful, that sums up Northern Ireland to me. It sums up that, you know, that you're not having a massive vocabulary but using the least amount yeah. of words to get across the paint the biggest picture yeah to call my mother a word mechanic Beautiful. and a man of a certain age who would have what he's basically saying was you wouldn't get the better off her no and she was quick and she was quicker than the man yeah if I can say that to you now you know what I mean and there's me Amazing. thinking about my ma and this guy comes around the corner and gives yeah. me the best homage <laughs> to my mother and then walks on and it really choked me because there was something. Oh, I'm getting upset now. No, there was something really quite spiritual about it because I'm thinking about them, and and as I'm thinking about her, I believe <clears throat> when people die or they pass on, if you talk about them, you call them back, and 
because I was thinking about her. Yeah. And then he came round the corner and just walked in and told me something beautiful about my mother. Yeah. It was like, it was what a God-given thing. It was a God-given thing. Beautiful. It was like, I was being blessed to have those thoughts. Yeah. At that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was a blessing. You were open it was to like, it, yeah. My God went to me, there you go. There you go, You miss mate. your man, Dad, you love yeah. your man, Dad. Here's a lovely wee a little gift for you. Here's a wee gift for you. Beautiful. And that's why I'm telling that story. And the, whatever tears I have now are not of sadness. They're just because I'm a sentimental old fart. Yeah. Things, you know? <laughs> uh, but, but that's beautiful. And the more you're away yeah. from home, the more sentimental you, you become. And the older you get, the more sentimental you become. And all those things are lovely. Yeah. All those things are lovely. It's not a fear of death. It's not a fear of what you're losing out on. It's actually, you become, I become less emotionally eloquent yeah. and I become more emotional. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.